Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're going to be continuing our study in the 10 lessons and we come to lesson number eight today, which for those of you who are listening early in the morning and maybe are having a tough time following this, lesson number eight is right after lesson number seven. But anyway, lesson number eight is the most impactful ministry, the most impactful ministry that you will ever have. And I, I'm excited to get into this because I think this is one that that is going to be maybe not necessarily revolutionary in people's lives, but I think it's one of those that we need to be reminded of all the time. We need to be reminded of all the time. But before we get into that, I want to read continue our scripture reading and read Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 1, and it says this, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. Be sh but surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine and guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great, but I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and, and orchards, I, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees in the grove. I acquired male and female servants, and I had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds of flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for silver for myself silver and gold and special treasures of kings and of the provinces i acquired male and female singers and delighted in the delights of their song sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds so i became great and excelled more than all those before me in jerusalem also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works of my hands had done, and on the labor which I had toiled, and indeed, all was vanity and grasping of wind. There was no profit under the sun. Then I turn myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he has already done. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but a fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceived that some uh, event, or excuse me, that the same event happens to them all. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. And why was I then more wise than I said in my heart, this also is vanity? For there is no more remembrance of the wise than of the fool forever, since all that is that now is will be forgotten in the days to come. And how does a wise man die? As of the fool. 
Therefore, I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me for all is vanity and grasping of wind. Then I hated all my labor, which I had toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet I will rule over my labor in which I toiled and in which I have shown myself, shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore, I turned uh, my heart and despaired of all of the labor in which I toiled under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun, for all of his days are sorrowful, and his works burdensome, even in the night his heart takes rest. This also is vanity. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy the good of his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God, for who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give him who is good before God. This also is vanity and a grasping of wind. And here we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 that Solomon is really pointing out that the temporal world, if you're living merely for the temporal world, whether it's it's wisdom, whether it's great enjoyment, whether it's pleasure, whether it's uh, amassing great wealth or building great things, if it's only for the temporal, then it is vanity of vanities. It's not that these things don't matter in life, but it is that if there is no eternal value behind them, then they do not matter. And of course, one of the main themes that he brought up, or at least something that sticks out to me, is he goes and he says, you know, I'm going to build all these things, but who knows if the person who comes after me, if they're going to be a wise person or if they're going to be a foolish person. Like, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't know how they're going to act. If they're going to act in wisdom, walk in wisdom, or if they're going to walk in foolishness. And you see, this is one of the things that Solomon kind of missed. He, he kind of whiffed on, and that is the lesson that we're going to look at today, and that is that the most impactful ministry you will ever have is the ministry in your home. The most impactful ministry you will ever have is the ministry in your home. Now, this in no way diminishes the ministry uh, at church, but your family ministry should flow from the grace and equipping that you receive on Sunday. See, the people in your home are always your primary and most impactful ministry, and this is true if you're doing a good job of ministering to them or if you're doing a bad bad job of ministering to them. That, that Those who are within your home, they are going to be your biggest ministry, and you're going to have the biggest impact on them, whether you're impacting them for righteousness, for the kingdom of God, or for sin and evil and, of course, the false kingdom of the devil. Uh, it doesn't matter which one you're working on. These are going to be the people that you impact most and that you push one way or another.
I've had uh, the blessing of doing all kinds of different ministries. I, I've had uh, the blessing of going and speaking at at conferences um, where I've had tens of thousands of people uh, watch online afterwards or or sometimes live during um, in in things like that. I, I've had the 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 privilege of going and writing books and uh, helping out with. Uh, contributing to to other books, uh, other you know in, in the sense of like a team of authors. Um, I've had the ability the, the opportunity to go on different podcasts, to do different interviews, to be uh, quoted uh, in some of the big biggest publications in the United States, whether that's um, USA Today, uh, the New York Times, all of this stuff. Um, I, I've had a, an incredible opportunity to do, but it was, after a lot of those opportunities came about, that there was a realization, and that was the biggest impact, the biggest impact and the greatest ministry that I have is not those things, not that those things aren't important, not that those things are, are bad to go and to take those opportunities, but the most impactful ministry, the most important ministry is the ministry that I have at home. And it, it was kind of funny because I remember specifically when this really dawned on me because it was it was shortly after um, one of the biggest interviews that I had done. Uh, and it, it did make an impact in people's lives, but just seeing where the United States was at, specifically in really the world, this was back in 2020, it, it struck me that Really, the way to save our nation and, and frankly, the way to, to preserve and to save the world, to be salt and light in the world, is, is really the biggest impact is going to be those who, who are investing in children, not necessarily those who are speaking on radio shows or going and doing interviews. Now, th those people might impact a lot of people who hopefully then go and impact those that they're raising. But I remember specifically thinking on this and realizing this, and then uh, and I said it this way, and I, I sent it over to a friend of mine, and, and I said, those who are uh, going to make the most impact for the kingdom of God right here and now are, are going to be changing diapers, not necessarily doing radio interviews. And maybe they're doing both, you know, like that's that's not a bad thing either. But but I said that and then God went and, you know, he's got a sense of humor. What was the next thing that I did? Well, it was about an hour after that, that Thomas woke up from his nap and he had one of the nastiest blowouts I've ever changed in my life. I mean, it was one of those things where, God, where I mean, I just kind of looked up, smiled at God and, and said, uh, you know, Lord, you don't have to take me so literal here or the diapers don't have to be this bad, you know. One of those things, it was one of those things, but the most impactful ministry you will ever have is the ministry in your home. And once again, this in no way diminishes the ministry of the church. I'm not saying go and leave ministries of the church or don't look to the church or anything like that. I'm actually saying the opposite because the ministry that you have to your family, the, that it should flow from the grace that equips you that you received on Sunday. See, the people in your home are always, though, going to be your primary and most impactful ministry. 
And this is because you're going to have an opportunity to minister to them on a daily basis and to, to really disciple them in ways that you're not able to disciple other people. You're going to be able to, to exercise spiritual gifts towards them, whether it's encouragement or whatever it might be, in ways that you're not going to be able to do that in other people's lives. And I want to read a passage of Scripture here that I think encompasses this really tremendously, and it comes from a man who had an incredibly impactful ministry, and that's Joshua. And this is Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. And it says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Uh, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served uh, that were on the side of the river, the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in which the land that you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, of course, this is coming from Joshua, the, the greatest leader, one of the greatest leaders in the Bible who led the children of Israel into the land of Canaan. He, of course, was one of the two spies out of 12 who were good, 10 were bad and two were good. And, and, and he went and he spied out Canaan in the land and he said, look, let's walk in the promises of God. Let's have this great faith. Yes, he had some flaws. He did some bad things. But I mean, just a cr tremendous leader, made an incredible impact, took up the mantle from Moses in an incredible way and, and served God tremendously. And yet we see this in his address to the nation. He goes and he says, look, you do what you're going to do, but here's my greatest impact. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, do you have that kind of a resolve for your house? Do you have that kind of a resolve for your home ministry? Well, let me just, I don't know how much time I have here. I've got time at least to tell one example. And I want to tell you the example of the first foster child that Sarah and I had is, I'll call him D. D. And D was a little boy who was three years old when we got him into our house. And uh, he had been abused in such a way that he had third degree burns on his hands. Just a a little boy uh, who was, was absolutely uh, terrified when we first got him. I'll, I'll never forget that first night that we had him because he had these hands that were all wrapped up in bandages. He had been, like I said, I mean, third degree burns on his hands. I mean, uh, terribly traumatic experience for a three-year-old, been removed from his home, obviously. He's in the house of these strangers and we have no idea what to do. Sarah and I, you know, we uh, we we'd never had had children before, and of course, this is our our first time that we we have a child in our home that we're going to be taking care of on a longer term basis. And and I remember that night we we finally took a long time to get him into pajamas because he didn't want to take off the uh the the, the shirt that he was wearing because uh, he thought it would hurt his hands if we moved it over over him and, and Sarah goes downstairs and I go to put him to bed and we found out later the uh, he was terrified uh, of men I uh, didn't necessarily keep that but it was because a man went and burned his hands uh, tremendously and and that was the 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 abuse that he went through. Um, held his hands actually under hot water so long that he got third degree burns. But anyway, um, I go to put him to bed and I'm going, hey, I've never done this before, really. You know, what in the world do you do? And so I, I, I just start praying for a little bit. And all of a sudden I go, well, the only thing I know to do is to turn to scripture. 
And so I start reading and reading and reading and reading scripture. In fact, I read 10 chapters of the book of Proverbs. And that's when D finally stopped crying. And so I thought, well, I'm going to continue reading. And so I read another 10 chapters of the book of Proverbs. So I've read 20 chapters of the book of Proverbs, and he is still awake. And by this time here, uh, my mind is, you know, just about shot uh, on the reading Proverbs because, I mean, that's kind of some intense stuff to be reading. So I moved over and I read, started reading in Psalms. And so I read another 10 chapters of Psalms, the first 10 chapters in Psalms. So I read 30 chapters of Scripture. And for the last 20, he just sat there and listened. And so finally, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted. I look at him and I say, D, it's time to go to bed, buddy. Good night. He said, okay, he went right to bed. Now, that was the first night that we had D, but I want you to understand that he loved, he loved having scripture read to him. In fact, he kept saying one more chapter, one more chapter, or he would fall asleep to listening to scripture. We had him for a right about two months. And in those two months, we read between me and Sarah, we read over half of the Bible to this little guy, to this little three-year-old boy. One morning he woke up and he looked at Sarah and he said, Miss Sarah, you have a Bible and Mr. Sam has a Bible, but where is my Bible? And so Sarah told me that and I said, okay, well, we'll go get him a Bible here today. And so I, I went to, to go get him a Bible and um, as the story goes, we ended up getting in, uh, there's a divine connection that was met there, that we ended up going and meeting the people um, who would introduce us ultimately to Thomas and, and were instrumental in bringing Thomas into our home and into our care. But I, I don't want to quite talk about that story here. What I want to talk about is D afterwards, because you see, he loved that Bible. In fact, for the next week, maybe two weeks after that, he slept every night hugging his Bible. In those two months that we had him, not only were we able to read over half of the Bible to him, and not because we're, we're forcing it down his throat and saying, child, we're going to read this to you, but because he loved it and said one more chapter, one more chapter, or would fall asleep listening to it. This child gained a love for God's word that, I mean, almost surpasses all understanding. In fact, is almost embarrassing to me when I think on it. And even when I was living it to realize the convicting question, do I love God's word that much, as much as this three-year-old? That was just simply with two months, with two months. You know, many of the children that you have in your home you're going to have for a much longer time than two months. You're going to have, you know, 18. Hey, if they're millennial, it might be 35 years living in your basement, right? That, 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 that last part was a joke for those who don't understand that. You don't want a 35-year-old living in your basement, in your mom's basement like that. But you're going to have years, 
probably near two decades of your children living in your house. And the question is, what kind of ministry, what kind of an impact are you going to have on those who are in your home? See, those who are closest to you, and it's not just your children, by the way, spouses, you should minister to each other. That's going to be your greatest ministry. Men, lead your wives. Lead your wives in the Word of God. Wash them in the Word of God. Women, be a helpmeet to your husband. Be their greatest supporter. Be right there for them. Minister to them. Minister to each other. That's going to be your greatest ministry. That's going to be your greatest impact. And ultimately, those who are in your house, that is going to be your greatest legacy of ministry. It really is. And so today, I want to challenge you to realize what your biggest ministry is. It is to those who God has placed you closest to, those who are inside your house. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing. Sing like the battle's been won. Can you feel it? The song that is rising, then you can. Something.